This is the Straight from the Net podcast with Jamie and Danielle. We say bad words and talk about inappropriate things that you may not want your coworkers, small children, or the easily offended to hear. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. This is the Straight from the Net podcast. I'm Danielle. I'm Jamie. How is everybody today? Well... <laughs> <laughs> My fat ass was eating a whole bunch of, like, knock me off or knock off Doritos. And I kept going, okay, just one more. Okay. Okay. Jamie's like, if you don't follow up with some action after one of these, okay, so we can get done. I got laundry to do. I got to go grocery shopping and you're over here stuffing your fat fucking mouth. And she got overzealous and bitter mouth, so. I did. I'm like, I was such a little, like, piggy that I, like, bit my cheek and that doesn't feel very good at all. So guess what, everybody? Tupac's alive. (laughs) Well, so there's that. We're just going to dive right in today. We're going to dive right in. Mm -hmm. So Tupac is alive, and he's being hidden by Native Americans, according to a new movie. (laughs) Everybody's doing some kind of documentary on Tupac. Wait, what was the one that we had before? Where was he? Africa? He was Africa, and it didn't even look like him. It didn't even look like... This guy don't look like him either. I don't know. I haven't got that far yet. I saw it before. I was saving it. Okay. Rumors about Tupac Shakur being alive have been circulating since his alleged death in 1996. But a new <laughs> film, Tupac, The Great Escape for U- from UMC, will confirm he is indeed not dead. Some is indeed not dead, folks. Some communities have sightings, <laughs> uh, have sightings of Bigfoot. This is from, oh, I should tell, this is from allhiphop.com four days ago. Okay. Um, some communities have sightings of Big butt, Bigfoot. Big butt? Big butt. <laughs> Other, I love those little slips. <laughs> Others see Elvis and his guitar a hunk a hunk away, for, away in their local diners. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But hip-hop folk, we see t- Tupac. <laughs> I'm just thinking about that. I'm like, oh, my God. It actually is, is one of the most, world, most widespread conspiracy theory in the culture. Tupac Shakur is alive. Birthed from so many occurrences after his tragic death on September 13th, 1996, many fans find it difficult to grapple with his passing. The death row artist was shot September 6th while sitting on the passenger side of his best friend's ride. No, well, (laughs) of Suge Knight's car, which was a bad JoJo anyway, because I can't stand Fuck you, Suge! Oh, I watch a lot of Straight Outta Compton. (laughs) <laughs> he sustained four gunshots that immediately uh, that ultimately took his life. He died as a patient at the University Medical Center of Southern Nevada, almost a week in intensive care. Those are the reported facts. But the Scarface, but then Scarface dropped the video for his song "Smile" in early 1997, featuring 97, featuring not only new vocals from Shakur but also a lookalike in the visual. Mm. Then Death Row started releasing new music from the rapper, unheard unheard of tracks that seemed to talk about things that were going on in the present. It fueled the widely popular suggestion that Pac's bodyguard and and family somehow faked his death and shipped him to Cuba to be with the Black Liberation Army. Um, What? Yeah. So that's where... Where did this even come from? I don't know. I don't know. The Black Liberation Army in Cuba? There's a Black Liberation Army in Cuba, which is crazy because aren't they latin in cuba um his aunt and his godmother asasta secure oh that's where they were they're at the black liberation okay so he wants to be with them 
Then you have the Instagram post from Knight's son claiming that he is well in, well he is well alive, a statement that he later retracted. Some even say that in the recent year there was a Tupac sighting in South Africa. I That's the know. one that we watched, but it did, right. it was not him. Right. Conspiracy theories like these and more are the foundation of the new film Tupac: The Great Escape from the UMC by Rick by Rick Boss. According to ABC 13's KTMV, Boss is clear that he answers to what happened to the, one of the hip hop's most beloved characters and how he wound up in Mexico. Um. He says, son, Pac is in New Mexico. He says, this movie is about Tupac actually escaping University Medical Center here in Vegas and relocating to New Mexico and getting protection from the Navajo tribe. What? Yes. According to Los Angeles filmmaker, Tupac knew in advance that someone wanted to snuff him out. And so being quick thinker he was, he planted a body double in Knight's BMW that night. After which he copped a helicopter to the Navajo... Uh, he copped a helicopter to the Navajo tribal land in New Mexico. You are probably wondering, well, how does Boss know? I am. He tells the press that Shakur family included him in on the secret, and now he is sharing it with all of us. You can write a fiction story, but this is not fiction, Rick, Ross, Rick Boss alleges. This is facts. Through certain people I know. So, Tupac's mm-hmm. alive, according to this guy. There's no picture. I mean, that's definitely Tupac. Yeah, I thought there was another one, though. Of, I felt like, and it was like a ball guy, and he had, like, the um, the scarf tied up on his forehead. I thought they had posted a picture of him. Because I think somebody else um, posted a, about the same thing. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Like, even if he was going to get knocked off, and he put a body double in... Okay, that person, then... Oh, you know I mean? are you looking at this guy? Because this, yeah. this is just a clip from the movie. Oh, is it? A, okay. It doesn't make any sense why he would leave his wife. I, I don't know. It's just... I don't know. I feel kind of... I don't know. I don't think Paco, Tupac's alive. I, I don't think Tupac's alive. I think that it's it's nice that people loved him enough to try and keep him alive. Mm-hmm. But, like, people get real. It's been years, like... Pac's dead, and there's nothing anybody could do about it. And why would Tupac let him do a documentary on him now? Right, and not to mention the fact, his mom passed a couple years back, and he loved his mom. Mm-hmm. Like, he wouldn't have hid himself from that funeral from, from that. anything. Right. So. I don't know. That's so strange. Again, I'm just trying to write it down. Like, okay, I, that's just I don't know. People are weird, but um, speaking another person who faked his own death. <laughs> Look at us segueing like a motherfucker. I know, oh my god. So this is on Disclose.tv from January 16th, and it says man fakes his own death because his wife is annoying. <laughs> uh, I don't Paco know if it's true or not. Paco's sitting there right now listening to this podcast with a pen and paper. <laughs> All right, give me the details, dude. He's like, how did you do it? Well. It says, that at least that's what Danny Gonzalez from Honduras thought. He had been living in USA for some time where he was repeatedly bombarded by his wife with telephone calls from home. Apparently, this was too much for the 27-year-old. He had to find a way to free himself from the brutal shackles of long-distance relationships. Oh, my he God. He had to die. He staged a picture of himself on his deathbed covered with cotton wool in his nose and white cloth. Another photo showed a coffin cover with flowers as cause of death, cancer, and asthma. 
they actually show pictures of him doing this on uh, The Sun. That's him. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's got, like, tampons stuffed up his nose and, like, uh, a big old bib from, like, Red Lobster on. I don't know. It's, like, it's something. I don't know. He was like, fuck it. He sent both photos by mail to his wife in Honduras. The local media got wind of, tra- of the tra- tragic death and picked up the story. But even a little research revealed that Gonzalez was not as dead as he claimed to be. <laughs> said, my wife calls me every week just to tell me to send her more money. The fictitious dead man said as the reason for his unconventional approach. I already sent her six cell phones and she kept calling me to tell me it was stolen. Oh my God, mama mia. I've never heard of such a thing in my entire life. But yeah, so, I mean, back home, they investigated and found out he wasn't actually dead. And you know that wife was like, motherfucker. <laughs> right, because now yeah. she's got to get back the death benefits. Oh my God, that is so freaking funny. Like, how dumb is that? Oh, speaking of stealing, so um, I got some Northeast page. Oh, good. Some Northeast page shit. Okay, so this is the group, uh, the Northeast group that we had talked about a while ago. Right, and, and, and they, they got a little quiet on And us. they got a little quiet, but now, now we're back, baby. We're back. This so is the this Jerry is, Springer This is groups. a post on the Northeast Maryland page <laughs> by somebody we'll call... We'll call her Jenny. Her name is not Jenny, but we'll call her Jenny. And it says, I made the mistake of not trusting my gut instinct and allowed a POS into my home. As a result, my 13-year-old son's Xbox One limited edition gears, Gears of War, teal blue, accessories, mic paddles, 5-terabyte five t- five hard drive, and 50-plus games, and his 2017 Chromebook were stolen <gasps> by Jenny. So-and-so. By so-and-so. We'll call her Jenny, too. <laughs> it was another girl? Yes. Wait, so Jenny number one let Jenny number two in, and Jenny number two stole... Stole all that stuff. Was she a friend? Allegedly. Allegedly. I was able to track the location of the Chromebook and confirm that Jenny number two, as the person who traded it for a methamphetamine (gasps) today, however, I refused to pay to retrieve the stolen property and will continue to allow the Maryland State Police to handle the matter. I am offering a $250 reward if anyone can help locating... In locating and returning my son's Xbox. Anyone who has children or even a moral compass knows how heartless and low and outright disgusting it is to steal from a child. Please, if you have any information, I promise to keep your identity anonymous and will forever be in your debt. So then she posts the picture of this girl. Okay. And, uh, glad I never did drugs. She's the, she's like only a year older than me and she looks old as fuck. Oh, I These know. are the that comments. I could write a book about this POS, but maybe I should bite my tongue. I was getting ready to tag you also, another girl. Girls make my, girl like, girl this makes my blood boil unreal. She'll never change. So Dorothy's is a small town, so these are people who know her. One guy was just like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> oh, seriously? What? There's always got to be some douche nugget that comes Somebody in. was like, how did this kid, bitch get your kid shit? So then, not to be outdone, I, I really hope you get your th- stuff, your kids' stuff back. Um, stuff, like, stuff like this is why I reserve my sympathy for the victims of drug addicts and the rest of us who are left to clean up their mess. Does she ever say why she let her in the house? Like, was she, like, a girlfriend or just a friend that she was I, trying to help she out? She was trying to help out. Um, while she is run down, definitely not the same girl I went to high school with. Oh, God, that breaks my heart. Right, so... It's a whole thing. Yeah. So not to be outdone, Jenny number two was like... <gasps> she came back? 
No, Jenny number two showed up on the post. Jenny number two wrote her own post. No, shut the flip up. And she was like, okay, so everyone wants to listen to a person that buys large amount of meth and let her and lets her children harass and threaten my daughter. I not once stole anything from Jenny number one. And I did all I did was try to be a friend to her and help her pack her belongings because her and her children are was being evicted out of their home. I was doing nothing but trying to make sure they did not lose their stuff. But in return, I get accused of stealing. I left her home and was dropped off by her boyfriend's mother with only my purse. I, if I stole anything, it would have been with me. When everything wow. was being removed from the home, I never once loaded or unloaded anything. I left belongings of mine and my husband's at her home when I left that a afternoon to go take some of, care of some business for my family and I left it, and that I left to be a friend and help them. Oh my goodness. And I think it's funny how everyone can comment and act like they know so much about me when in reality they know nothing. But all you can but all you can have fun putting me down and treating me like the bad guy. I will submit to a polygraph and pass <laughs> and pass because I have nothing to hide. But can everyone else that was there do the do the same? That that's the major question in this matter. So with that being said, I will be contacting the state police and facing these accusations because I have nothing to hide. So for all of you that have nothing better to do than sit and gossip and thrive off others' bad fortune, then I'm glad I forgot I gave you your fix for the night because you are no different than the, than the next addict because you are addicted just like the next addict, maybe not being to drugs. Well, now she's just going on. She's right. been very histrionic at this point. Right. Maybe not to drugs, but the high of making other misfortunes, they're high. So with that being said, say have a good night. <laughs> What? All right, so she's saying she's not on drugs. Right, and the other girl but is. she didn't do it, and the other girl is and sells them. Right. Oh, wow. She, like, aired that shit out. Right, so, like, that's the shit that goes down on the on the North East page. Like, they don't. Did anybody post on her post? Yeah, but nothing, like, just all oh, that's messed up, girls. Like, just all her friends. Um, so nothing big, but like the thing that kills me is like, no matter what you post in this page, there's just like so much anger and people, <laughs> <laughs> there's just so much anger. Everybody's just so angry in Northeast Maryland. Why are you so angry? We need to go out there and do a show, make everyone laugh. I think we should do that. That'll be our claim to fame, Northeast Maryland. <laughs> Dog owner, stop saying good boy and good and good girl to your pets. This kind of gendered language is normalizing the myth of canine sexual dysformism. Shut up! That, where is that? And delegitimatizes the lived experience of trans dogs. It's Shut in the, the frick it's up! It's in the Northeast page! No, it's not! And the guy, Northeast people are not having it. The guy was like, really? Okay, has good. It, has it really come to this? Dog dysmorphism? <laughs> I mean, I've never... Okay. I've never seen Lainey ever get depressed and then come out of my bedroom wearing any of my clothes. No, no. Or actually wearing any of the boys' clothes. Right. And being upset that she can't live in those clothes and, and doesn't take doggy treats anymore. Uh. People are so fucking weird. That's just the fucking weirdest thing ever. Doggy dysmorphism. Doggy transgender. Was that a joke post? Yeah. I'm, I, well, it was on the Northeast page, but... Somebody, no, but I see it was a screenshot. Is it was that a, a joke? I doubt it was a joke. Somebody like, was... Like, is somebody being... It's, like, is that somebody from fucking California? Probably. 
I thought, look, we're ever gonna we're gonna make it out to California and be like, these bitches hate Californians. No, we don't, but a lot of Jay, weird shit comes out of Jay that. Jay was damn like, state. ooh, two podcasts in one day. I called that one a win. Who did that? Jay. Oh. Thanks, Jay. We love you too. Thanks, Jay. We love you. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. I don't even Oh, I missed one from last week. It was on the onion though. And you know how we like those fake ass posts uh-huh. or whatever. And it was, uh, I wanted to do it for Valentine's Day, but I totally forgot because we were involved in other shit. But it said 20,000 tons of pubic hair trimmed in preparation for Valentine's Day. I think that's nice. I, I think it's nice when men shape up their shit for their ladies. <laughs> And if you go on our on our Facebook page, you can scroll down into the community post and our fact checker Jay um, posted a video <laughs> of a of a ball barber and it's pretty funny too. So go ahead and give that a look see. It's also fake. It said a ritual as old as time itself. This year's pubis shearing is expected to be among the largest in decades, with more than twenty thousand tons of curly clippings predicted predicted to fall by february 14th my boyfriend and i are going to see as you like it and then enjoy a nice candlelit three-course dinner said brooklyn resident blah 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 oh my god this is from 2010 they reshared it it's from february 11th 2010 what the ball thing <laughs> the thing from the onion the thing where it says 20,000 tons of pubic hair trimmed it was an article they posted in 2010 they thought it was so good they would like they let's, reposted let's it let's do it again yeah indeed tiny scissors and electric razors have already begun to fly off drugstore shelves all across the country could you imagine being like oh shit I gotta hurry up and go out and get my little scissors and oh my you get God. there and everything's just blank like you know how like what happens when we're getting a big snowstorm and everybody clears the shelves but you know this time it's for like little scissors and nail trimmers and, and, and clippers <laughs> Anyway, that was the first time I had one. And it says, David and I are going to take a long walk around the park. And then maybe on the way home, we'll stop and grab some ice cream. I wonder <laughs> if David will send me flowers at work like last year. He's just so wonderful. Oh, so wonderful. <laughs> I didn't get flowers. I don't want flowers anyway. Oh, it says, wait, hold on. And it said, in 1947, the first year records were kept, Americans only mowed about 1.25 tons of their crotch lawns. While, <laughs> while in the mid-1970s, private trimmings were so rare the documentation was actually abandoned until 1981. <laughs> yeah, because for the longest time, remember, it was like, you know, porn crotch. Yeah. It was very bushy down there. It was very popular. It was a very bushy time. You know what? I'm so single right now. Like, they would need a machete. It is so bad. They'd be like, I'm going in. <laughs> they got machetes. Start the lawnmower. They got to wear the headlamp so they don't get lost. Did somebody bring the map? We're going to need help. <laughs> Wow. All right. It's so bad. Oh, my God. I don't give a fuck. So, um, <laughs> I got some relationship stuff. Oh, shit. Okay. So, stashing is the latest dating trend that honestly is worse than ghosting. Oh, here's this fucking asshole. It's been four months since you started dating Jim. You've gone hiking, binged the entire second season of Fleabag together, and eaten his, at his favorite pizzeria so many times you feel like the staff knows you're together. But you haven't met any of his actual friends, let alone any family. Wait, did you run into his college buddy on the street, though? And they chatted for a bit. But now that you think about it, he glazed right over an introduction. Oh, God. And when he posted a pic of you two, when you posted a pic of you two on the Facebook, he said, delete it. Well, take a seat. We're sorry to say it, but it looks like you're... Like, this gym character is what they call stashing you. So that's like, he doesn't introduce you to anybody. He doesn't, 
you don't uh, really well, get inside of their life, well, but you guys are together? It says, stashing is when one person <clears throat> in a relationship makes the conscious decision to hide the other person from his or her inner circle. <gasps> and yes, mm-hmm. that includes both in real life and social media. Deep mm-hmm. breaths. That's what it says. Of course, this is so much more reflection of the stasher than the stashy, but come on, it's downright rude and hurtful as hell. So, great, the person I'm seeing is stashing me. Why is this happening? There is no reason why stashing happens, but we spoke with with marriage couples, couples therapist, Arena Furstein, about it, and she told us that the stasher may be stashing because they, one, are embarrassed by or have issues with their family. That's why I stashed Paco. Two, don't see a serious future with you. Or Mm. three, are carrying another, carrying on another relationship simultaneously. Yeah, there's no, there's no reason that turns out good for why. None. We repeat, none of these reasons or any other are good enough to justify making you feel like dirt. But having a little bit of insight might take the edge off things. How do I bring up stashing to the person I'm seeing? Ask them why you haven't met anyone important in their life. And follow up with questions if they give you the the runaround. There hasn't been a convenient time, and can be filed under it can be filed under runaround if somebody says it just hasn't been the right time. That's uh that's the runaround. The conversation might bring you closer together over some shared vulnerabilities. Maybe the so-called stasher is not spe- on speaking terms with certain family or friends after a falling out. But there's also potential for the opposite to happen. And then it says, what if I met what if I met with backlash? If the person is doing something hurtful to you and they respond in any way that it's not supportive, understanding, or at least curious, it's time to reevaluate that relationship. Because let's be honest, that wasn't the thought, that wasn't a tough question. Sidestepping your feelings is a major red flag. And as First Dean sees it, if they play ignorant and that's a form of manipulation, tough love, people, tough love. Remember that carrying apart. Caring apart, remember that a caring partner will not want you to feel this way. And if they really do have a good reason for keeping you stashed, like family matters or they just weren't there yet, they'll be receptive to the conversation and interested in moving forward if not. If not, then you deserve to be with someone who wants to roof you. That's the term we just made up that means shout you from the rooftops. <clears throat> that they have got they got to be with you. So stashing. Stashing is a thing. Stashing's definitely a thing. I was dating this guy like his name was Charlie like a million years ago. And we went away to like hiking or whatever, like over in somewhere. I can't remember where it was now. Susquehanna State Park or something. And we went away and we had like, you know, a great time. And then I, we had all these pictures and you know, we took pictures of each other, all this stuff. And when I came home I put them on social media and he untagged himself and all of them. And so I was like, why can't he be in there? He's like, I don't want people to know my business. I'm like, you post everything else, though. But you just won't post me. When, and I was like, oh, I don't like you. We broke up after that. When Paco and I first started dating, um, I was already a member of his his main circle, like Mikey, Lester. Right. All of them. They already knew me. Right. Like, they were coming to the bar just to see me. Right. Um, So he couldn't stash me away from them. Mm-hmm. But... Until he knew I was the one, mm-hmm. I didn't meet his circle of friends. The, right. rich, the I call them the rich white friends. I didn't mm-hmm. meet them. I didn't meet the pool friends. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet um, my family, his family, mm-hmm. all that. Like he was very. Until he knew I was the one, 
Like, I'll never forget the first time he was like, baby, you want to come to pool with me? And I was like, what? And meet your pool people? What? Ah. Like, like, that was a big deal for me. Right. Like, meeting his people. And I finally met his parents. And I met his parents, um, I guess it was right before Christmas when we first got together. I right. met his parents. Um, then I met Devin a little bit after that. Mm. So, but he stashed me. He stashed me, but I don't think it was, he, he wasn't stashing because he was embarrassed of me or his family. He was stashing because he wasn't bringing me around the people he cared about until he absolutely knew that it was going somewhere. Right. Yeah, I think that's a little different. Like, in my case, it was definitely like, you're trying to hide me and I'm not having none of this bullshit. And um, I had that happen before. I think one other, I think Mike did it to me too once. I was dating him and he was another one like, you know, for, I don't know. I swear to God, I feel like if anybody lands in your DMs and is like, hey, do you remember me? Just, oh, no, I don't remember you. And block them and don't ever talk to them again. <laughs> Every single guy that I've ever grown up with that has showed up in my DMs has been a fucking nightmare. But, um, yeah, he, uh, yeah, he untagged me and things and stuff like that. And it was just very weird. Like, I don't want people to know my business. And, like, you post everything else. Like, it didn't make an ounce of sense. You know what I mean? Like, at all. So it was like we ended up breaking up after that. But it was kind of interesting in that, at least we were up front with it. I was like, are we doing anything? He's like, I just don't know that, you know, you're my forever person. And I was like, you know what? Thank you for, like, letting me know. Bye. You know what I mean? Like, I wasn't even upset about it. It was so nice not to have somebody, like, play games. And I wasn't sure if I was feeling him necessarily either. But I didn't really like what was going on. So it was kind of like, can we just be done with this? Or are you going to act right? One or the other. Like, what are we doing here? And he was honest enough to be like, I just don't think that you're my forever person. And I was, like, really grateful for somebody to just be, like, upfront about it. You know what I mean? Instead of just, like, you know, distancing themselves or ghosting or whatever that may be. Like, I'll always kind of remember that he was, like, old enough. Like, even though he did that, that was really shady and slimy and I didn't fucking appreciate it. So, fuck you, dude, still to this day. I think, you know, all the other part was, like, really nice. Like, you know, you didn't, like, leave me on all that bullshit. Like, it was a nice, clean break. Yep. That's good thing. Yeah, you know what else is going to be a nice, clean break? What? 3,000 strippers going out to Chicago. (laughs) Actually, I don't know what that segue was supposed to be, but... Um, as most people know, um, that we did, we're doing like, the only thing those strippers are going to be doing is breaking the motherfucking bank. Yeah. Breaking the bank. Um, so it is, uh, all-star weekend. All-star weekend. And it's <laughs> TMC posted to 3000 strippers descend on Chicago. And they talk about like, you know, all these women and stuff like that. And then they are saying how they have brakes cars coming in uh-huh. with ones. And, like, you can see, like, one of them's, like, one of the strip clubs posted, like, all their stacks of ones. Holy shit. So it's, like, you know, people are going to come in and be, like, here's a 20, I need my ones or whatever. So it says the forecast calls for some serious rain because we're told each club will have $450,000 in, sing- $450, in single-dollar bills on deck each day for customers, MBA and otherwise, to spend on the dancers. The clubs are ready to bring in the Brinks trucks, too, if they need even more. So I was, like, wow, that's, like, fucking nuts. So... They said, uh, MBA, our MBA All-Star Weekend is like the annual Super Bowl for the strippers. So there's high demand to get work in the host cities each year. We're told that dancers have to fork over $300 to $350 per night to, to a club just to get their high heels in the door. I'm like, that's fucking nuts. That's crazy. Stripper Bowl. I said, and get this, one club tells us they're flying in girls from New York, Los Angeles, and Miami to diversify their lineup. Now that's thoughtful. <laughs> Um, how can I get to be a stripper? 
for NBA weekend. I know. So the clubs also tell us they already have 10 tables reserved each night exclusively for NBA ballers. And their kitchens will be working overtime to serve up lamb chops, burgers, wings, and shrimp. Big dudes have big appetites. Hmm. So, and apparently nice. Offset is going to be doing something at one of the clubs, and Kid Capri is going to be doing another hosting. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be, like, insane. That's a lot of fucking strippers. I would strip. Th- like, where are they all going to stay? I would strip for um, Donovan Mitchell and Aaron Gordon. <laughs> would you now? I would. I would okay. be like, Aaron Gordon, by the way, I, I, I watched the dunk competition, and I know that you're probably not going to hear this, but I watched the dunk competition last night, and I feel like you got robbed. Right. Just, I'm just throwing that out there. I love you. You feel like you got robbed. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> and Donovan Mitchell. And Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, the P.S. I Love You movie that made us all cry. Yes. It's coming out with a part two. Oh, my God. That's great. Because I found a new podcast, and it's called uh, Talk to Remember. And it's, like, four guys that sit around, and they... <laughs> They review these these chick flicks, and they say that it's nothing that they think Adam Sandler could ever star in, like because that's automatically makes it a dude movie if it's if Adam, Adam Sandler's in it. So the first one I listened to, I only listened to one and a half, um, but the first one I listened to was a walk. To, they reviewed a walk to remember, which is my favorite Nicholas Sparks. Yes, it is. I know. Mm-hmm. And at the end of it, where they like everybody else gives stars, they get butterfly tattoos. <laughs> They were like, I give, it, I give it eight butterfly tattoos. Oh, my God. That's great. Are they doing that? <laughs> Are they really doing that? So I, was, I thought it was hysterical, and I told them, I was like, if you're going to review a movie, and I know that it's the corniest movie ever, and it, it's not a cinematic masterpiece, but everybody has seen it. The, remember the movie Teen Witch? Yes. I'm going to be the most popular girl. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that became like a cult classic. Great. And it's a great movie. She had like red hair. Yeah. Right here. Okay. And the brother that talks like this. He talks through his nose. <laughs> and the little old lady from Poltergeist. But, um, so I told them to review it. I haven't heard back from them, but they did, th- I did put some feedback on their page and they were very thankful that I listened. But I was bagging up. I was really? like. Eight butterfly tattoos. Eight butterfly tattoos. Oh my God. Because that's what girls do. They get uh-huh. butterfly tattoos. Yes. So I thought that was very funny. Well, they're doing the sequel for the uh, P.S. I Love You, and um, it's getting a sequel 13 years later, according to People.com. And I'm like, and it says apparently they're in postscript, so they already have it now, oh, like shit. the script and everything. But I'm like, how the hell? It but, says, what the hell? How are they going to do that? Like, the whole point of P.S. I Love You was him letting her know through gifts and letters and things like that. That he loved her more than anything in the whole entire world. Then she goes to Ireland and bangs his best friend. And then she's with his best friend. You act like she just banged his best friend just because she's a hoe bag or something. No, I mean, but they got together. They ended up being together. So what is the next one going to be? Like, that's what I don't get. Like, is it, is it still Hillary Swank and those two guys? Are they going to do a different story similar? Like, oh, wait, is this a book? Well, let me actually read this mother flipper. So, hold on. Because <laughs> I think it might be a book. It says, nearly 13 years after P.S. I Love You first premiered, the beloved tearjerker is finally getting a sequel. Variety reported that Alcon Entertainment has acquired the film rights for the sequel. Okay, so no, they acquired it. But the book is called Postscript. And it's oh. from Cecilia. 
Mother flippers trying to make me subscribe now. Um, the author, Cecilia Ahern, who also penned the novel and inspired the 2007 movie, Alcon, the company that produced P.S. I Love You, will be co-financing and co-producing the new movie alongside Black Label Media. We don't give a fuck about that at all. Hilary Swank stars in the original film as the young widow, Holly, who discovers that her late husband, Gerard Bartlett, left a series of letters for her before he died, all within the same ending, P.S. I Love Can You. Can I just say, mm, Gerard Butler? Okay, go. Oh, my God, I know. Uh, Lisa Kudrow, Kathy Bates, and Harry Connick Jr. also appear in the movie, which grossed $156 million mm, worldwide. Harry Connick Jr. He's so cute. <laughs> Ahern's follow-up to the story finds Holly six years later where when her sister asks her to talk about the letters on her podcast. Holly's grief then resurfaces as when a group of strangers inspired by the story reach out to her seeking guidance on letters of their own. It's too soon to tell whether Swank Butler or any of the original cast will star in a sequel. The novel Postscript has already been released in the UK and Ahern's native in Ireland and is set to hit US shelves in April of this year. Okay, so she's already posted, already did the book. We just don't have it yet. That's why we're like, oh. But that's so neat, though. Like, she, she did this book. It's already out. It's not even in the U.S. yet, and she already has the movie deal. Nice. I mean, it's come not even, on. Is it already out in, in Ireland, or is it coming out in Ireland? No, it's already out in Ireland. It says, um, it's already released in the UK, the UK and, Ahern, and Ahern's native Ireland, and is set to hit our shelves here in April. Oh. That's going to be a great movie. I know. So it's a deeply emotional project for me. Postscript is a PS to my PS. And while it is a sequel, it is also a story that stands alone about living a purposeful life in the face of illness, grief, and loss. Aww. Uh, speaking of um, helping people through loss. Oh, God. What are you going to um, say? It's not sad. <laughs> this is a feel-good story. I'm giving you a feel-good story. I know, but you always have something So to this say. bus driver <laughs> keeps a girl on the bus longer than other students... Her dad learns it's because of her hair. Oh, that's right. So the nine-year-old Isabella going to school... Isabella loves going to school in style, and Mom always makes sure that her haircut is on point. Moms just always know what to do with her with hair. It's a magic... It's almost kind of a, of magic. Whether it's braiding or making a ballet bun, Mom was always there for Isabella. Tragically, the little girl recently went through something horrible as the child lost her mother... Patricia Pieri. Things have been incredibly tough for Isabella and her 47-year-old dad, Philip. The family from Utah has been mourning and trying to live their life the best they could. Oh, and she's holding a picture of her mama. Oh, I can't look at that. I'll cry. Um, the best they could in honor of their fallen mom, who had been battling a rare brain disease for over six years. Dad tried to do his best to style Isabella's hair, but it wasn't the same without Mom, even though Dad did everything he could. So one day, Dad recalls that Isabella returned from school with absolutely beautiful hair. Aww. She'd get mad at me for pulling her hair. I didn't know how to do it. One day, Isabella came home, and it looked beautiful. I called her my princess, and she looked that because she looked the part. She plays the part, and her confidence is way up, which is what I've been intending, said Dad. Turns out there were there was someone else out there looking out for Isabella, and that kind person had noticed that the nine-year-old had lost her confidence because she couldn't fix her own hair. Hmm. Bus driver Tracy Dean decided to step in one day when she noticed that Isabella had a very short haircut as Dad Philip had no idea what to do with it, so they just cut it off. 
They just cut her hair off? Yeah, she did. Isabella tried to manage, but she couldn't style her own hair at such a young age. But bus driver Tracy has four children out of her own and definitely knows the importance of appearance and, a, and hair of the little girl's self, for the little girl's self-esteem. Right. So when all the kids left the bus, she told Isabella to stay for a little while longer. She promised that she wouldn't brush, that she would brush and style her hair, even though, and even teach her a couple of things. I could tell she was struggling with her hair. We usually do French braids, two French braids first, and then once in a while she just wants one braid. I also taught her how to brush her hair. She'd get on the bus and she'd say, I brushed my hair, does it look good? And I'll say to her, it looks awesome, Isabella. Dad couldn't be more thankful for the small yet kind gesture. She's such a nice woman, he says about Tracy. The woman didn't mind one bit to spend a little bit of her free time helping out one of her pupils on the bus. And Tracy has also had her fair share of difficulties in life as she once battled cancer herself. Upon thinking to herself, what if that was my kid? She knew just how to act. It's just the way my mom raised me, to be nice to everyone. People who need a little love in their life like to give all the kids a chance, even the naughty ones. What an absolutely amazing bus driver. Be sure to check out the sweet bond between Isabella and Tracy below. And there's a picture of her and the bus driver. It's so cute. Yeah. Aww. That is so nice that she did that for them. Yeah. Tracy Dean, you're like a fucking pillar of the community and good for you. Well, there was this thing. Okay, so they lost, she lost her mom and somebody like kind of stepped in. And this one's weird. I was like some sitting at my shrinks appointment the other day and I read this thing and I literally start crying. So my shrink comes to the door because there's like a waiting room. And then she comes to the door and I'm like, come on back. You know what I mean? And I'm like, ooh, like crying. And she's like, oh boy, this is going to be an interesting session. I'm like, no, but you don't understand. So anyway, it was a BuzzFeed article that came out. And it came out on February 12th. And it said a mom was reuni- reunited with her dead daughter in this virtual reality experience. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It like had me in tears. So it's a Korean documentary called I Met You. And it has been gaining a lot of attention after it aired a segment about a mother who was reunited with her dead daughter through virtual reality. It says, according to the AJU Business Daily, Jang Ji-sung lost her seven-year-old daughter. I don't know how to pronounce this, so I'm going to say it really bad. Naeong? To an unknown illness four years ago. Uh, the broadcasting, the Munwa Broadcasting Corporation took eight months to produce the virtual reality experience, recreating the little girl's face, body, and voice as closely as possible. <clears throat> Excuse me. And although Jang Ji-sung couldn't physically touch the virtual version of her daughter, she seemed to really cherish the experience. And this is what it looked like in the green room being filmed. And you can see her seeing her daughter for the first time and trying to pick her up. So, and this is what it looked like inside. Oh, yeah. So basically what it is, it's the little girl and she sees her for the first time. And you can tell she's like crying. Oh, my God, I'm getting my ball my eyes out. And you could see her hands are, like, touching the little girl. And, like, in the green room, though, like, you, she can't see that. You know, it's just, it's so interesting. So, it said, during the experience, she was able to interact with the VR version of her daughter. The video shows them picking flowers together, taking pictures, oh, and celebrating her birthday. Oh, my God. So, I'm going to stop. It's going to make me cry. But. Yeah, you need to get it together. Oh, my God. I know. I know. Oh, my God. But, so this is what happened to me. Like, this is a mild version. Because, I mean, I saw her lean down and try to touch her. Oh, my God. And I started, like, crying. And my shrink was like, what's wrong? And I showed her this. And she was like, oh, that's that's rough. Like, I don't, know right. if, I don't know if that'd be good or bad in the grief process. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I, I don't think it would be healthy. 
Um, I feel like if Lord forbid I, I ever lost my child, like Lord forbid I ever lost Katie, even as an adult, like I don't think I, I used to say, throw me in with her because Oh yeah, there's no right point in me going away. Oh yeah. Um but I think that if somebody were to give me access to that to see her, yeah, to interact with her after she's already gone. I don't think that would do anything with my grief. I would just want to live in that virtual world. Right. And that's kind of what my my therapist was saying. And she was like, you know what I mean? I guess it really depends. I mean, it's it's interesting. It is interesting. Well, if you and think about all the, all the stuff we have. Okay, look at all the movies. What was that, the one movie that just came out not too long ago, Steven Spielberg, where everybody lived in the VR? God, what the hell was it called? And it was like the guy and... um. They had to go find all the little... Ready Player One? Yeah, Ready Player One was, like, a big one. I mean, Matrix was another big one. Like, they, you live in the Matrix. Like, a lot of these things are, like, coming out anyway where you're kind of just going to end up living in these things. And there's actually a um, show that they're doing on um, Amazon Prime right now. I cannot for the life of me remember what it was, but it's also like that. It's, like, a one that you can sort of binge all the different episodes where they, too, are sort of, like, living inside of it. And it, it's just wild like so it's almost like you kind of feel like that's where you're going to end up i'm like how's that even work like how would you do anything like how would you live have where you would like have children and like all the things you would need to do like in a physical world if you're living in a vr world right but you can do all that stuff in the vr world apparently but like is that like sort of like the precursor to being able to upload our consciousness into the vr and then really then you really learn that we are in vr does that make sense? Like, what we're in right now is basically the main. I don't want to think about that. that. That, like, blows my mind. I, was... I know, but I'm just saying, if you think about it, though, like, lots of this stuff is coming towards that. Yeah. So, eventually, we may just live in that world anyway? Maybe. I don't know, but my therapist definitely was like, oh, I don't know. I think a lot of it would be hurtful it for a lot of people. It would fuck me up. Like, I could see something, like, not my kid. Like, like maybe I would be able to use that to, to talk to my grandmother again. Yeah. Like, that's one thing. Like, okay, well... You know, I really need my grandmother. Let me just go into this world and talk to her. Because I love my grandmother, and yeah. she was my best friend, but my grief for her is not to the point of what it would be if I lost my child. But that would be then, take it from the perspective of being the grieving mother who lost a child, knowing you could go in there, and knowing it's there. It's like the forbidden sort of fruit. Right. You know what I mean? Like, take yourself in the grief perspective. Like, right now, you're like, I would like to talk to my grandma because it wouldn't hurt me as much. But, like, I guess thinking from it from a grieving mother's perspective, I don't know. Wouldn't it sort of be like, well, I don't have to go into the grief. I can go in here and be with her every day? Right. Right. Like, I would I would live in that world with her. Like, there would yeah. be nothing else I would do except for sit and live in that world with my dead daughter. Like, I guess it would depend on what they do with it. I don't know. What if it's like therapy guided or something where like I mean, that would move away? That would be different. But right now it's not. Right now it's just this. Picture. I don't know. They don't really tell you. I mean, they just they just opened it up and it was really neat. And they show a picture of the little girl and then the the VR part of her and it's pretty spot on. It's pretty amazing. So speaking of um, crazy things that they can do mechanically now. <laughs> okay. So there is this new animal collar. Oh, brother, okay. This is from WFLA.com News Animal News. Okay, so this was posted on February 15th, and a new collar will allow you to hear what you, what you, what you want to think your dog is saying when it's barking at the doorbell. <laughs> oh, that's right. You did it's called the Cuss Collar. <laughs> that's right. Oh, the my The Cuss Collar has a speaker on the collar that plays a pre-recorded set of expletives. <laughs> 
When your dog barks, including fuck and bullshit, the leather oh collar God. with the steel buckle and a speaker is $60. The limited edition collar is being marketed as a gag gift, but at the, t- at the time of its writing, of writing this, it is currently sold out. So I guess it would be. Right. You, oh, my, so, I would buy them. So for more about the click collar, click here, and it takes you to the website. Look at the puppy. He's so cute. I like to look at your bubble wubbles. And then you can play the video. Okay. So there's these two people, and they have this old sheepdog. So, I'm going to fast forward because. So, this is where they tell them that they have the new, the new collar and we can tell what, what the dog is saying. Okay. So, here's where it gets interesting. The dog just said fuck. Everything is pre-recorded, so every time the dog barks, it says something like, shit, motherfucker. <laughs> You're like, Paco, we have to get a dog. You don't understand. Right. I need a dog so I can go get this collar. Right, Actually, babe. you just get it and shove it on him one night. Have uh, right? Fun. Like when he's snoring? Yeah, have fun. Because it's activated by the vibration of the right. dog's bark, and Paco snores like a fucking son of a bitch. He'd probably be like, <sighs> motherfucker. <laughs> That sounds like Samuel L. Jackson. Jackson, no, that would be really good. Is this slap on Paco? Oh my god, oh, that is so go. freaking fantastic. You go, baby. Oh my god. Oh, we didn't talk about the new charges against Jesse Smollett. Oh, please, let's speak yeah, about so that. So, February 11th, um, it started hitting all over the place. Um, they re- <coughs> they kind of like re indicted him. I didn't know they could do that, so it's kind of weird, I guess. It's, it's, he wasn't, was he wasn't. They recharged him. Yeah, but they're different charges because they he he's already acquitted by the first one, so it they're new charges because you know no, they double. dropped those charges. So oh yeah, so yeah, he can be retried for them. I didn't think you could though. I thought that was like double jeopardy. I I think there's I don't know there must be standards to double jeopardy, but why yeah. is he getting recharged? Okay, well it says Jesse Smollett is indicted by a special prosecutor in Chicago on six counts for lying to police about being the victim of a racist homophobic attack a year after similar charges were dropped. All right, so similar charges. I don't know. See, all right. Before I get in this article, I'm all about double jeopardy. You know what I mean? Like we have that there for a reason, right? And if you can kind of come back to me and do this shit to me again later, like how fair is that shit? Well, double jeopardy only works. At, so okay, so but say, they're similar charges. So they basically did a workaround. So on what? This guy. Ha- here's what happens. So say you murder somebody and you get away with it, mm-hmm. and they acquit you, mm-hmm. but then they find new evidence. That says, okay, this is definitely you. Then they can retry you. But it has to be with a certain amount of new evidence. They can't recharge you. They can't do it again under the same charges, though. Right. So it would have to be, like, of a lesser charge. Like, it would be, like, manslaughter instead of murder. Yeah, but, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It kind of feels like... I don't know. He is a piece of trash, but... No, he is trash. And I do think that he... I think he got off really, you know, light before. I mean, he really did some fucking shit. And you know what, but I also kind of think, like, his career is dead as fuck, I think. His career has been dead as fuck as soon as I found out he was a big-ass fucking liar. Well, that's why he was a liar, but... So, his bed. 
So it says, this is on the Daily Mail. I happen to just save that one. Um, he's been indicted by a special prosecutor nearly after a year, or nearly a year after the initial charges against him over an alleged hoax attack were dropped. A Cook County grand jury hit the Empire actor with six counts of disorderly conduct on Tuesday for allegedly sta staging a racist and homophobic what the fuck? I can't talk about it. Homophobic hate crime and lying to police about it. Special Prosecutor Dan Webb announced the charges against Smollett and said that the further prosecution of the actor is in the interest of justice. It is now more than a year since Smollett claimed he was attacked at 2 a.m. on January 29, 2019, while walking to a subway near his Chicago home to buy a sandwich. He talked. He told police his attackers called him attackers called him racist and homophobic slurs, and that they appeared light skinned. Nigerian brothers Abel and Ola Osendero were then identified by police as the, as the people who said attacked him. The pair knew Mollett or Smollett and told the authorities he paid them to attack him in a staged incident to allegedly boost his celebrity profile and salary. And then they kind of show you a picture of these guys. They're all jacked and all pumped up and muscular and stiff. Nothing light-skinned about them, though. No, not at all. They look like extras from Black Panther. <laughs> they probably were. Um, but anyway, yeah, so they got him... Um, they got him on that, too. So, rather, the charges, after more than five months' investigation, the Office of the Special Prosecutor has not found any evidence of wrongdoing whatsoever related to the dismissal of the charges against Mr. Smollett. Rather, the charges were... So, they had to cover their own ass. Because the woman before was like, eh, we're going to let this... We're going to swipe this under the rug because he paid all this money and he's doing, you know, whatever. So, they had to make sure they said, well, we didn't find any wrongdoing with how they did it before, but we found some new shit. Just fucking bullshit. He should have never gotten off on it before, and they're trying right. to save their ass. So, it says, related to the dismissal of the charges against Mr. Smollett, rather, the charges were appropriately dismissed the first time because they were not supported by the evidence. Fucking please! The attempt to re-prosecute Mr. Smollett one year later on the eve of the Cook County State Attorney's election is clearly all about politics, not justice. Which does seem a little... That weird. seems legit. Yeah. <clears throat> he was then hit with a 16-count grand jury indictment and faces more than 50 years behind bars. That's fucking he nuts. Ain't gonna, they ain't gonna leave him in there that long. He might two days. Felicity Huffman only served a fucking week. <coughs> oh my god, I didn't know this. Smollett, who has all along insisted he is innocent, he then sued the city for malicious prosecution. Are you fucking kidding me? Hmm. Like, this is one of those people that needs to shut the fuck up and go away. Kind of like, what's his face? He's down in Florida. Yeah. I have a Florida story. Okay. I have a great Florida story. Better than just Jesse just, Sullet, whatever his name is. That guy was just an asshole. Just, just sweet smolier is the way Dave Chappelle called him. Oh, yeah. And everybody was like, who? Like when he was in his stand-up when that came out. Like everybody was like, oh yeah, Dave Chappelle. And he's like, just sweet smolier. So I'm not going to read, I'm not going to read the, uh, the headline because it gives it away. But this is funny. Well, it's not funny. It's rude. But it's from, <laughs> it's, it's not from, funny, but it is funny. It's but from it's not Florida. Funny, but it's funny. Panama City, Florida. And it says the voice is, the, the voice the force is not strong with this one. Okay. 26-year-old Jody Berry worked at a popular restaurant in the U.S., Hooters. Uh, in order to drum up some competition between the staff, managers decided to start a competition to see who could sell the most beer in a month. <laughs> the winner to receive a new Toyota. Jody won the competition by outselling her coworkers. To claim her prize, Jody was blindfolded and led to the restaurant's parking lot. But when the blindfold was removed, Jody was devastated to find that the prize was, in fact, not a Toyota automobile, but rather a Toyota ah! Star Wars doll. 
Jody quit her job and decided to sue her former employees for fraudulent misrepresentation. She won that suit and was settled for an undisclosed amount of money. However, one of the lawyers in the case said the amount could easily have had, have had her cleared to the, deal, the car dealership to pick up whatever type of Toyota she wants. Oh, my God. And then the, there's a picture of her with the doll. And oh, my it, God. She's pissed off. Let me put my glasses on. Let me see. Here, here's the, the one at the top. Oh, she is not happy. She is pissed. She is like, I want this crap. Right. So oh, the, the caption salty. under the newspaper picture says, uh, Jody Berry of Panama City, Florida, sits with her Toyota <laughs> at her lawyer's <laughs> office Wednesday. Berry, a former Hooters waitress, has sued the restaurant where she works, saying it was she was promised a new Toyota for winning a beer winning a beer sales contest in April. Barry, 26, believed that she would want a new car, but she was blindfolded, led, for the, led to the parking lot, and presented with a toy Yoda doll. <laughs> like, I'm not surprised, bitch. And then it says the little green guy from Star Wars, like we didn't know who Yoda was. <laughs> she is so mad. She needs to be mad because she works at Hooters and ain't got no titties. Like, look at her small ass titties. She still did the work, though. She's like Hooters adjacent. Good for her. She probably had to work ten times harder. <laughs> Maybe she's got a big butt. Maybe she. You know, I've never bra. been to Hooters. Never once. Oh, I was just at Hooters not too long ago. It's I not was as never great. in one Hooters. It's not as great as it seems. Their baked beans are good, though. No, but I mean, it's I've never landed there, and it's not for any other reason. I don't know why I've never been in Hooters before, ever. I don't know. Oh my god! Oh look, this one guy, this this one guy named Andrews on my <laughs> my friends list. He said, "How banged up is your situation when people are living leaving dickless sparse books on your car at the bar?" Andrew Lou. <laughs> yeah, this is on my Facebook, my own private Facebook. That is hysterical. Yeah, that, it's that's a Nicholas Bark. Which that's which a that's a it? hint. It says every breath. Oh Jesus so it's Christ! Like here, take every. It's not breath. even a movie. Oh my God, that's funny as shit. Oh my God. Oh well, look at this. This guy was like, here, this is real relationship goals when you're like reading the Bible together. How cute is that? Oh, Girls are gonna be sliding in his DMs. Whatever. Oh, I, you I'm haven't love that though. Have any? <laughs> has anybody watched um, Lock and Key? Me and Danielle. Danielle's watched the whole thing. Me and Paco are binging it. We're on episode seven. Um, so we're gonna probably. What time is it? Three o five. Oh, you wanna know how much time yeah. we have left? Oh, it's fifty four. So our fifty. Yeah, almost fifty four. All right. So we're just gonna go ahead and say if you have um, any fun Valentine's Day stories, or if you've been stashed. Or if your dog cusses. <laughs> if your dog cusses, you certainly need to let a lot of people know because right. you're in for a lot of money. Um, if you have any feel-good stories, if you just want to talk to us in general, give us a shout-out and write us in at straightfromthenet from, at gmail.com. Also, you can find us on our Facebook page. We also have Messenger there, and you can message us there. Um... You can find us on the WMLD every Wednesday at 1 o'clock on your lunch hour. And you can also find us on WMLD on Saturdays at 7 o'clock to hit that replay. And every Sunday, at some point, I upload our uh, another episode. So yeah, this week you all got two place. episodes. Did they get two episodes? Well, they got one on Wednesday, and then we dropped one today. So that's yes. like one episode. Our friend Jay, our check factor, was like, woohoo, two episodes in one week. That is a win for me. <laughs> Anyway, all right. You guys have a great week, and I guess we're going to see you on Wednesdays and Saturdays and Sundays, I guess. We're just all up in your uh, 
everything grill. Right. <laughs> we love you guys. Okay, bye. Bye.